All right, going live once again. Today's February 2, the 2nd of February, 2024. Live stream number 67. Got the camcorder going, got the live stream, got my little recorder. Okay, we're set. So, this is going to be good. They're all good. Not because I do them, but because they're scripture and they're going to help us walk in what God has called us to walk in. So, I wrote here before we get into this next live stream, I just want to say that these live streams, really, you know, they're just scratching the surface. That's all it is. It's not nothing elaborate, nothing in great detail or anything like that. We're just nothing exhaustive, okay? Because what we're going to be doing is we're going to be redoing these videos. I'm going to be redoing these teachings on a, on a larger scale, much larger scale, <laughs> and books are going to come out of it, the whole thing. So, um, the main teaching today is apologetics and polemics, all right? I've been wanting to do something on this for, for quite a few years. It's not exactly what I had in mind, but there's some good stuff here, and it's going to get us going in a specific and as well as a right direction. So, first of all, I wrote here, what does the Bible teach us, or what does the Bible have to say about apologetics and polemics. What does the Bible have to say about it? Not what man has to say, but what the Bible has to say about it. Has lots to say about it. Both of these words carry the idea of defense and defending. That's what I really liked about it. <laughs> and I've got that working me as a defender of the faith. Uh, yet, what are the differences between these two words, if there are any? And there are some, but anyhow, let's just get into the teaching. It's a little bit lengthy today. Uh, a big part of all of this, I would call it confrontational evangelism, because it borders on evangelism. It, it, what is, it is evangelism, or some call it power evangelism. All right, confrontational in the sense of urgency, as well as bringing the message of the good news of the kingdom of God to people who desperately need it, but who don't want nothing to do with it. I mean, you got to bring this, the gospel, that the people is like, I don't believe in your God. What are you telling me all this stuff for? I don't believe in God. All right, I don't believe in what you believe, yet they need to hear it. They need, they desperately need to hear it. Uh, but this confrontational does not give us the right to be obnoxious or callous, combative, rude, and crass like I can be at times, yes, uh, uh, towards those who oppose your message. All right, there's lots in here. There's lots to, to teach on. So I hope my lighting's good. Anyhow. So, in many cases, you're dealing with people who have been hurt by the church or by religion, you know, or have wrong ideas, misconceptions about God, about the Bible. Ah, uh, this is everywhere. You meet them all the time on the job uh, when I used to work construction. Or have been turned off by the scandals from TV evangelists. Well, that did not help at all. Now, did it? No, it didn't. And, of course, you need to remind yourself of this whole aspect of spiritual warfare even Matthew 13, 19 to 21, the parables of the sower, it says that the enemy, the devil, the evil one, comes immediately to steal the word. So the minute you start sharing the gospel with somebody, the devil's in there like a dirty rag, and he's out to steal the word from people, and even from believers too, believe it or not. No pun intended. We also need to realize that God has given His church, the body of Christ, specific tools called the gifts of the Spirit, yes, in order to get the work done as well as making our work easier. Yes, to some degree, absolutely, because of the supernatural and spiritual aspect in all of this. And this includes the power to heal and deliver those 
who are in great need and we're surrounded by people who need healing, saints and sinners alike, who need deliverance. We're surrounded. You, have to go, you don't have to go look very far. You can find them on your own street. All right, You don't have to go to Africa or Asia or Europe or wherever, even though God sends you there sometimes. Well, He sends me, anyhow. So, anyhow, I just wanted to break this down here a little bit, this word apologetics, because it does come from the word apologia, and we'll look at the verse a little bit later on, but the word apologia, literally, it's Strong's number 627, found in the New Testament, and um, so it means uh, a speech in defense it's a compound word. It comes from the word apo and logos. There you go. Intelligent reasoning, properly a well-reasoned reply, a thought-out response to adequately address the issues that is raised in the term of making a legal defense in an ancient court. Yes, use supply for supplying the evidences for the Christian faith. Classical times had nothing to do with saying, I'm sorry. No, not at all. Apology, apology is not... Uh, apologize. No, you're not apologizing in that sense. Forget that. You're not apologizing. They need to apologize. <laughs> they will to God one day, but it'll be too late. Answer for oneself. Clearing of self-defense. Alright, so polemics. A little bit different. The actual word polemics does not actually exist in the New Testament, but the act or practice of polemics is everywhere in the New Testament. Polemics, a speech or piece of writing expressing a strongly critical attack on or a controversial opinion about someone or something, the art or practice of engaging in controversial debate or dispute. And this spoke, this speaks loud to me because the Lord told me I'm preparing you for controversy. All right? So, let us look at a few key verses here regarding all of this. 1 Corinthians 2.4, Paul says, And my language and my message were not set forth in persuasive words of wisdom, but they were in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power. Uh, proved by the Spirit, uh, uh, by the Spirit and God's power operating on me. All right, Second Corinthians ten five. Inasmuch as we refute arguments, refute very key word there in theories and reasonings, every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, we take away captive into obedience of Christ. Ephesians three. I threw this one in here. It's not exactly it has to do with what I'm teaching, but it does fit in there. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, uh, to proclaim entrusted, uh, yet this grace was entrusted to proclaim the gen to the Gentiles the unending, boundless, fathomless, incalculable, and exhaustless riches of Christ. Yes, the good news to the sinner is that they can become a saint. Alright, that's the good news to the sinner. To the sinner, also if you're sick, you can be healed, you can be delivered. If you're in bondage, whatever it is you've got, God has the answer for it. That's part of the good news. Alright? And sometimes you gotta get you gotta get into these apologetics and polemics in order to get that knowledge over to them. That's just the way it is. Some people, it's just you got no choice. It goes a little bit beyond uh, evangelism, alright? So Philippians 1.16, this, uh, this is very interesting. The latter proclaim Christ out of love because they recognize and know that I am providentially put here for the defense of the good news, the gospel, defending the gospel, defending the faith, all right? 1 Thessalonians 1.5, for our preaching of the glad tidings came to you not only in word, not only in word, but also in power in the Holy Spirit and with great conviction, 
you know what kind of men we proved ourselves to be among you for your good. And that is what is greatly lacking in those who call themselves evangelists. All right, I've been there years ago. Don't want to ever want to go there again. There's got to be power. There's got to be conviction. There's got to be signs, miracles, signs, and wonders. Absolutely, Jesus had it. It belongs to us. 1 Timothy 4.2 Herald and preach the word. Keep your sense of urgency. Stand by. Be at ready in hand. Whether the opportunity seems to be favorable and unfavorable. Whether it's convenient or inconvenient. Oh, oh, whether it's welcome or unwelcome. Yeah. You as a preacher of the word are to show people in what way their lives are wrong. The Amplified catches the Greek in there. Convincing them, rebuking, correcting, warning, and urging, and encouraging them, being unflagging and exhaustible, inexhaustible in patience and teaching. This can be also towards the church, too, because it's in the pastoral epistles. Sometimes you do have to preach the gospel to those in the church, but this is also towards the sinner. Titus 1 9, he must hold fast to the sure and trusty word of God, holding fast to something as he was taught it so that he may be able to both to give stimulating instructions and encouragement and sound doctrine and to refute and convict, all right, you've get, you're getting into apologetics and polemics there, those who contradict and oppose it, showing the wayward their error. Absolutely. Sometimes it's hard to discern when you're actually encouraging in polemics and apologetics, but the more you transform into an image, the more that will come across very clear to you. Very clear. He'll show you. Now, this is the verse where it actually has the word apologia. All right. 1 Peter 3.15, But in your heart set Christ apart as holy as Lord. Yes, always be ready to give a logical defense. This is the Amplified. It catches it good. The logical defense, Greek apologia, to anyone who asks you, to account for the hope that is in you, but do it courteously and respectfully. And I'm still working on that, but I am getting better. I am getting better. Jude 3, Beloved, my whole concern was to write to you in regard to our common salvation. I found it necessary and was impelled to write to you and urgently appeal to and exhort you to contend for the faith. Yes, to believers, we have to contend for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. Yes. All right, let's close it up here. This is very interesting here. I got this. Where is my book? My book, I brought it back upstairs. I can't believe it. Anyhow, the book, I bought it. I got it years ago. It's a reprint. Apology and Polemics in the New Testament. Here's an excerpt. Our excerpt. The task confronting the apostles in taking up their great commission or their commission to make disciples of all nations before or in front of awaiting them were vast political bodies with the prestige of antiquity and the prestige of possession and committed to the support of popular falsehoods. Wow! All right, I'm going to unpack this a little bit after. Before or in front of awaiting the apostles, the early disciples, were intellectual systems elaborated by generations of thinkers and commanding, if not the belief, yet certainly the respect of the educated class. Sounds like today, big time. Hasn't changed at all. Before or in front of awaiting them, all the ambitions, all the lusts, all the luxuries, all the vested interests of a large and corrupted society. Now, I said this, I wrote, when I saw that, I said, man, oh man, I've written on this before, regarding when the early disciples, they, when they went out, 
They didn't have what we have today. There wasn't Bible schools out there already. There wasn't churches out there already. There wasn't believers already out there. No, they were actually going out there pre preaching gospel to places where they had never heard the gospel. And there are places today like that. But overall, where there's no believers. Like zero. They were it. They were starting off this whole new creation. This whole new, well, the church. I mean, the church was not known throughout many parts of the world at all. It started where they were with Jesus. So they were facing all these different things that I, uh, that I read right here from the book. All these things that we're still confronted today with, but it is a little bit easier because, you know, everywhere you go, wherever you go, uh, in almost any nation, even if you go to North Korea, there are believers in North Korea. Well, back then, where they went, there were no believers. They were the, new, they were the only believers, and they were there to make disciples, all right? Uh, people that had never heard this gospel, this new, the gospel of the, the kingdom and different things like that. They had, they, the people had never heard it. So they were facing all kinds of animosity, all kinds of rejection. And today we do, but a lot of people, you go somewhere and you talk to your neighbors. You talk about Jesus. Yeah, I heard about Jesus. I don't want nothing to do about Jesus. Well, back then they had never heard about, the people had never heard about Jesus. All right. So they had a huge, huge, huge mission and a mandate before them. And I'll tell you, these guys are going to get rewards like nobody else because they were they were the front runners, man. They were the vanguard, all right? They were serious stuff, man. I mean, they were being sent among the wolves like Jesus. I'm sending a sheep among wolves, all right? And today, yes, we are being sent some places among the wolves and sheep's clothing, whatever. But back then, it was different. It was different. So anyhow, thank you for your time. want to make these short and but powerful so i want to thank you and i want to encourage you to walk in the fullness of your sonship as you learn how to walk in the fullness of the grace of god and of the faith of god why because it is faith that gives access to the grace of god shalom and amen